This audio file is a production of Chiasmos, the University of Chicago's international and area studies multimedia outreach source. For related audio and video, or for more information about the project, please visit chiasmos.uchicago.edu or internationalstudies.uchicago.edu. Well, welcome. Um, I am the director of the undergraduate program in international studies here at the University of Chicago. Uh, and uh, I've been asked today to be the moderator for this panel. Our format is basically going to be the three presentations, um, and then we'll follow that with question and answers. Um, I'm going to introduce the three speakers all at once because we don't want to be moving back and forth on these stairs and tripping over those cords as I just did. Um, the first speaker will be Alan Collada, who will talk on environmental degradation and the deforestation in Thailand and Cambodia. He will be followed by Kathleen Morrison, uh, talking about ecology, human rights, and large dam projects in South Asia. And the last speaker will be Josh Ellis, who will talk on the politics of degradation and restoration in the marshes of Iraq. Uh, Alan? Well, thank you very much. I'm just going to give a very brief presentation on some of uh, one dimension of a research project, a multidisciplinary research project in which I'm involved with a colleague here in the Department of Economics uh, at the University of Chicago, along with a group of ecologists uh, at the University of Florida principally, but also uh, computer modelers uh, and uh, hydrologists uh, from elsewhere in the US, uh, Thailand, and Cambodia. And this is the product of one of a series of um, research grants uh, that I wish to acknowledge up here uh, from the National Science Foundation, in particular the program on human social dynamics. Uh, the project itself is um, interdisciplinary in nature, and its, its title really tells you what our themes and interests are. It's uh, economic growth, social inequality, and environmental change. And what I'm going to touch upon here briefly is that third component on environmental change, and an even narrower component of environmental change, uh, which is uh, the process of deforestation, forest degradation uh, in Thailand and in Cambodia. Uh, so it's a cross-boundary analysis of, uh, of the process of deforestation. And this here just gives you an idea of some of the provinces we're working in in Cambodia. Uh, for those of you familiar with Cambodia, the province of Siem Reap is also the center of uh, the World Heritage Site of Angkor Wat, and Peter showed an image from the Bayon Temple at Angkor Wat, the crocodile. Uh, this is the area where we actually work. Our headquarters is out of Siem Reap, and uh, we're look looking at various processes of economic growth, poverty alleviation, and environmental change uh, in this area. Uh, now, I want to start this brief presentation with a, an interesting quote, which I found in a book on global deforestation, which I think speaks to some of the um, environmental, aesthetic, uh, even if you will, uh, spiritual perhaps, aspects of the notion of degradation of environments. And this is from an old travelogue 
called Old Ceylon, so it's not from Cambodia or Thailand, but uh, from Ceylon or Sri Lanka, uh, from 1878. Nothing was heard but groaning, cracking, crunching, and splintering. It appeared as though the whole of the forest world about us was tumbling to pieces. It gives a sense of sort of the tactile, sensory elements of being in a forest that is being cut to pieces. A more modern description uh, or a commentary on what is happening to the tropical forests uh, of the developing world uh, is this. The destruction in modern times of a forest that is millions of years old, that is our tropical forest heritage, is a major event in world history. It is larger in scale than the clearing of the forests in temperate Europe and America, and it will be accomplished in a much shorter time. Uh, the process of deforestation in Southeast Asia and globally is, of course, an ancient process. It's not restricted to the contemporary sphere, but certainly that quote uh, brings into focus the fact that the scale, the spatial and temporal scale of deforestation and forest degradation uh, is accelerating, accelerating dramatically. Deforestation, in fact, of course, uh, in the past two or three decades has become a major concern for many countries uh, around the world, and it is, I think, without question, one of our most uh, pressing problems of land use. Deforestation is now occurring around the world on a scale really never known before. More than 30% of the world's forest is believed to have been deforested now, and according to the World Resources Institute, uh, by the early 1990s, almost 40% of the Earth's land surface had been converted into cropland and permanent pasture or into desertified and unproductive landscapes. Deforestation currently is now mainly, if you will, or principally a tragedy of developing countries. These countries are estimated to be losing about 11 million hectares of tropical forests annually. The depletion of forests is, of course, great concern for the environment and for the issue of poverty alleviation and development uh, in many of these third world developing countries. And, of course, Southeast Asia, Cambodia, uh, Thailand, Laos, uh, PDR are some of the countries of particular concern, particularly Cambodia and Laos, PDR, the most underdeveloped uh, countries uh, in that part of the world. Now, unsustainable use of forest has resulted in severe environmental problems, especially land degradation, which is manifested by soil erosion, uh, by desertification, and by general loss of productive potential in many rural areas, leading, in many instances, stimulating or inducing rural to urban migration and all the problems that come with the growing uh, environmental social problems of, of megalopolises, the great megacities of Latin America and Asia. Soil degradation has also, caused in part by deforestation processes, uh, has resulted in stagnating or declining yields in many parts of countries, especially on the most fragile lands from which the poorest farmers attempt to rest a living. Deforestation has also dramatically affected water catchment areas and destroyed watersheds, which is part of the tale at the very end of this brief presentation I'll show you related directly to the area of Siem Reap and the uh, World Heritage Site of Angkor Wat. 
And this degradation of the watershed affects the quality uh, and the quantity of water supplies and therefore the quality, if you will, of life in these regions. And in some cases uh, as well, and particularly I think this is the case in regions like China, uh, deforestation has resulted in un unprecedented floods and loss of life. So it also is a humanitarian issue as well, and that's of short term as well as a long term problem of development. Now one of the, what are the drivers of deforestation? Well one of the drivers of deforestation that has been proposed to be the principal driver, which I think is slightly uh, problematic, is the issue of overpopulation. Some of the solutions to deforestation processes, what well, we simply have to bring in these developing countries, populations down to a sustainable uh, scale, a sustainable uh, number, shall we say. And this is certainly true, that population pressure, particularly in closely settled areas, has forced the extension of agriculture into forests and fragile and marginal lands and increased the demand for fuel wood, setting in motion, if you will, a downward spiral of forest destruction. But deforestation, like many physical and environmental problems, that is socially and natural problems, is extraordinarily complex. So it is not exactly the best approach to propose a single solution or a single problem, and therefore a single solution. There is no, in other words, single driver for deforestation in the past or in the present. Each situation has its own peculiarities, but of course there are some general patterns that we can see. Uh, in terms of the drivers, I'll look at here. In the case study from Thailand and Cambodia, you see the image up here of the area we're working in. Uh, there are two principal drivers in this region. One is clandestine or illegal commercial logging, both legal and illegal commercial logging, particularly in Cambodia, for precious hardwoods exported to consuming countries like us or Japan for fine furniture, for all the range of things you can imagine that fine mahoganies and other woods of this nature are used for and other tropical hardwoods. The second driver in our area is without question a driver that is more obviously related directly to the problem of poverty, and that is the expansion of populations into fragile lands driven by a land hunger, if you will, and particularly in the case of Cambodia, which I'm sure you're all aware is a country of great historical, uh, shall we say, trauma over the past, uh, from the era of the Vietnam War forward into the Khmer Rouge destruction of civil society. The psychological trauma is dramatic. The economic uh, trauma is dramatic. The destruction of land archives. Uh, there's a land grab throughout many parts of um, parts of Cambodia, and this is driving many people, as we'll see, uh, into uh, agriculture and into deforestation processes uh, because of this uh, cycle of poverty. Poverty and unequal land distribution, low agricultural productivity, rapid population growth in some instances, and also, and not trivially, various inappropriate or counterproductive government policies and public policies are some of the underlying causes of deforestation in this region. Now the rural poor, themselves victims of the development process, are often caught in a vicious cycle of poverty that forces them into destructive patterns of land use to meet their basic needs for food and for fuel. Other factors contributing to this process are, in fact, the breakdown of common property management regimes uh, under the influence of liberalization processes, uh, uh, private property replacing commons, and so forth and of course commercialization of forest resources that has led to increasingly severe pressures on forests in most developing countries. 
So to regard the problem of deforestation as a consequence of population growth alone is to misapprehend the problem and perhaps to lead to uh, rather inappropriate and perhaps even in some instances draconian policy solutions in which one must simply limit population when in fact there are a lot of other issues as you can imagine playing into some of these social and environmental drivers of deforestation. So in other words, basically the perspective here is we need to look at deforestation as a total, a whole social fact and something that's interrelated with a number of local, regional, national, transnational, and global processes. So if you think about it uh, in an overview, however, the process of deforestation is derived uh, in great part from an entire pattern of world development since the pre-colonial or into the colonial era, certainly uh, from colonialism to decolonization. And the economies of most developing countries demonstrate a number of parallels that uh, contribute to a greater or lesser extent to the deforestation process. Now Cambodia, like many other developing countries, has been caught up in a serious development crisis in which Cambodia is forced to use its natural resources, such as timber, not for development of the population, for poverty alleviation, but in fact to meet financial requirements of the international creditors of the multi-lateral uh, development bank. So this is an issue of paying back creditors generating forward exchange and not uh, addressing basic needs of the population. So this. Uh, shall we say, this pattern, this cycle of deforestation really has its origin in the halls of the World Bank, if one could argue that, or in the halls of development process or the large and complex issues of development that we face uh, uh, today uh, in, the, in the third world. So in other words, deforestation reflects a specific type of development model, which began really in the late 1800s, perhaps even earlier, and uh, in the early uh, 20th century, when national economies globally were drawn into world markets for primary goods, such as cotton, coffee, tobacco in some instances, and many countries uh, really needed to rely on these primary goods to generate the foreign exchange needed uh, uh, to bring about economic growth and development. This situation prevails today. It's a long-standing problem, and it is, again, reinforced by government policies which emphasize production of primary export crops in order to generate foreign exchange. And the end result of this is increasing and accelerating de uh, degradation, destruction, outright deforestation, or degradation of many forest environments. Now, as national economies were drawn into the world market, so too were peasant producers increasingly drawn into national markets. And this meant that intensifying agricultural production to produce the food required and a marketable surplus in order to obtain the income necessary to purchase uh, production inputs and consumer goods uh, intensified this process of, uh, of, of deforestation. So the intensification, intensification of agriculture leads in some sense to accelerated conversion of forest areas to crop and pasture land. Now, coupled with all of this above is the very process of modernization itself, which initiated, if you will, or in reinforced certain cultural attitudes, if you will, uh, value systems, uh, even better uh, said perhaps, that essentially seized the forest as a resource to be cut down and used, uh, not something that is meant for preservation necessarily. It's essentially yet another basic commodity to be used uh, and exploited to meet these demands, particularly in developing countries, for 
for foreign exchange. So many lumber industries were started with the introduction of new technologies in order to meet foreign demands for tropical timber. And this led to opening up, as we'll see in a moment here, in the Cambodian and Thailand case, of large areas for commercial logging, which plays a key role in this conversion of forests uh, in most of these developing countries. Um, and in the process of integrating peasant producers and national economies into the world market, uh, highly skewed patterns, which we all are familiar with and aware of, highly skewed patterns of resource distribution emerge. In other words, social inequality shoots up, goes through the roof in many instances, which leave many people behind in extreme poverty with limited access to land, credit, and other essential goods and services. So to survive, literally to survive, these populations are forced to overtax their land, extend cultivation into forest and fragile and marginal lands, and cause uh, an in, uh, increasing and accelerating pattern of the destruction of forests and subsequent and very severe uh, land degradation. And this sort of, shall we say, vicious cycle continues today with very little indication uh, of how we can break that cycle if we continue along the same development model, development path, if you will. Many people, of course, are still poor, uh, and being themselves victims of forest destruction, they have also been caught in a chain of events, if you will, that has forced them, again, to overtax land and natural resources, and especially, especially their forests. And so I'll show you here now, for the remaining brief portion of my presentation, some of the images and some of the uh, problems uh, that we're uh, looking at and trying to address in this area of Cambodia and Thailand. And here, what you see on the right is a satellite image, a Landsat image, across the boundary between Thailand to the north, Surin and Sisaket, and Otarmenche, Siem Reap to the bottom. And there, I think you can see relatively well uh, the very dramatic differences between Thailand, this is the northeast provinces of Thailand, and Cambodia with respect to remaining forest cover. Essentially what you see here is that Thailand is, uh, deforestation is complete. It's complete, it's essentially, except in protected areas, Thailand is a country with very little in the way of uh, primary forest resources uh, left. You can see the dark line running through a topographic a mountain range there, the Dangrek Range, uh, which marks the border between Cambodia and Thailand. And you can see to the south of that in Cambodia, there still remains uh, extensive areas of tropical forests which are currently under threat. And one of the ironies, shall we say, of Cambodia and the destruction of Cambodia over the course of the war years and into the Khmer Rouge eras is that part of the reason that the forests are still preserved in Cambodia, apart from the fact of the genocide and the loss of a quarter or perhaps more of Cambodia's population, a population deficit, if you will, now being addressed by population re, uh, repopulation of the area, Part of the reason the forests are still intact is that they're heavily mined, so that one cannot get into the area without at risk of, uh, at risk of, uh, of um, being blown apart. And in fact, the research project where we're working in 64 villages, uh, we have to be very, very careful uh, with our research team as we're analyzing the processes, because of course, uh, demining is, uh, is, is, is an ongoing process, and it's also not a scientific process. And in fact, if you get a little CD-ROM uh, from the Cambodian Mine Action Committee, which we did, to look for where the landmines are in this region. They give you a beautifully, typically these wonderful things mapped out, a beautiful a GIS map of exactly where the mines are with a little asterisk. And when you look at the asterisk, it says, uh, do not assume that the distribution of mines uh, in this image is precise 
the uh, spatial resolution is plus or minus 100 meters. <laughs> so you can see how problematic that is, what a useful document that is for us. And so it says what you need to do is uh, talk to local people, which is very good. That's exactly what we all need to do is to talk to local people when we're out there. And, and that's part of what our project is, is doing. But it shows you some of the ironies and the problems that Cambodia has. Uh, and one of the other ironies of the demining process, even though, of course, there's the Halo Trust, wonderful NGOs doing wonderful work of demining, some of the most dramatic demining going on in Cambodia now is not at all by NGOs, by humanitarian impulse. It's, in fact, by mining companies. Logging companies are going in there demining for the purposes of exposing this area to, of course, uh, commercial logging and production. And this gives you a better idea of some of the processes going on. Our analysis is ongoing. This is relatively pre uh, preliminary. We're, we're only in the second uh, year of this grant. But here you get an idea of the process and how rapid the scale, the accelerating scale of deforestation is. You can see, again, Thailand to the north, uh, Cambodia to the south of the black line, November 1990 to February 2005. And you can see relatively complete forest coverage in 1990. You can see the way it's fragmenting by 2000, particularly near the Thai border. And then by 2005, uh, in five years, you can see how much forest is lost. So this is a problem that needs to be addressed now. And it's an integrated problem. It's not just simply about the destruction of forests, the loss of land for productivity. It also has major effects on hydrological cycles, on water, uh, on, on these uh, groundwater regimes in particular uh, in this area, and erosion, uh, erosion processes. And if you can imagine that not the whole world will be living in cities. Uh, I mean, that's one scenario. The whole world will live in cities, and this will all be abandoned. We can no longer even think of rural agricultural development as a model for bringing people out of poverty. Uh, if that isn't the case, we have to be very concerned about this kind of process, how rapid it is. And in fact, one doesn't want to be apocalyptic about this or totally depressed to paralyze political action. But it is a problem that is, uh, is happening literally before one's eyes. And it's very difficult to imagine what solutions there are. And this is just a, a graphic uh, putting some quanti quantification on that image. And you can see 1990 in Cambodia, dense forest in the region we're looking at was 71% coverage. By 2005, it's 31%. So in that short period of time, 15 years, 40% of the forest in this area was lost uh, to deforestation processes. And you see in Thailand something very similar, even though the aggregate levels were very uh, low to begin with, because again, uh, deforestation in Thailand happened much, uh, much earlier. And here you can see some of the processes going on just in this five-year period in one of the provinces we're working in. This is actually the last holdout, by the way, of Pol Pot. Uh, this is uh, Anlong Veng. This is his last, hold, his last stand, as it were. And he's buried here. Uh, and you, it has become a tourist site. In fact, some entrepreneurial Cambodians are trying to develop this as a tourist site, see the grave site of, of Pol Pot. Uh, this is the area that was heavily mined in 2000. You can see hardly any forest cover, but as uh, demining has gone on, you can see now the kinds of deforestation going on. And part of the driver, of course, is the development of infrastructure, roads, both by Cambodian government and also by illegal or, shall we say, quasi-legal um, forest companies who are putting the infrastructure in in order to access these forests, which are now, of course, under great threat. Uh, here you can see an image, a very bad image, because it's from a plane flying over this area, of uh, clear cutting. I hope you can see just the kind of devastation reminding you of that old Ceylon, the crunching, the 
the cracking, the groaning. And I have been in areas where this is going on, and that's exactly describes it. I mean, just the, the effect. I mean, it's a very sensorial, tactile sense to have a force coming down around you. And this is the kind of process going on here. This is not the driver of agriculture, uh, small-scale agriculture. This is the driver of clandestine, illegal clear-cutting. And here you can see how dramatic it is uh, on a large scale in Cambodia. And here you can see some of the small-scale entrepreneurs who are hired by the larger-scale companies, particularly in very dangerous areas. These are the people who lose limbs and arms in order to make a living, but they have set up a bush sawmill out in the bush uh, and immigrant laborers from all around the area coming in to uh, cut these uh, planks and take them then out, exported to Vietnam exported to Thailand, and then, uh, of course, uh, globally as, as well. And this is a rather interesting dimension of that process and part of the public policy issue, and that is uh, a very uh, effective and interesting NGO out of the UK called Global Witness has done a remarkable and rather dangerous report, in fact, on the situation in Cambodia of what I called up here the social network of corruption. Even though you can't read what's going on here, the officials in green hats are various, various lieutenant generals, colonels, generals, etc. Other people are businessmen, and it shows you the links that have been worked out, these kind of networks of corruption and, and uh, shall we say, self-dealing that has really uh, generated uh, massive deforestation, even in so-called protected areas. Uh, and the author of this report, uh, who in fact is uh, uh, married uh, to my project manager, uh, in Cambodia has been, uh, has been deported. He, he is not allowed to come back into Cambodia, although he was back in there recently, uh, and so they're negotiating to allow him back in. But needless to say, the cover of this, uh, of this uh, brochure was not uh, received very well in Cambodian governmental circles, just showing how deep and, uh, that network was. What you don't see here are the linkages to foreign capital. You don't see the linkages to Malaysia. You don't see the uh, linkages to the other, uh, and showing you how global this problem is uh, of, of destruction of the forest and, and how it's related to these social processes. The second major driver in Cambodia is this, smallholder agriculture. This is actually one of our villages, uh, and you can see that it is literally on the edge of the forest. And right beyond the lower right-hand image, right beyond that uh, still that stand of forest there, is in fact uh, a, a minefield that is awaiting clearance. But the local population are clearing the mines themselves. To give you an idea of the scope of the problem in Cambodia, there are people in Cambodia and also in Lao PDR who are demining themselves because they consider the mines to be literally their own form of foreign currency. In other words, they go out and demine, they blow those mines up and they take the metal and they sell the metal. Uh, in Vietnam principally because this is a high value commodity. As commodity prices for metals have gone up, they are literally risking life and limb in order to make a living and they're doing it and they think of mines in the forest as a natural resource, literally. You talk to them and this is like, we're very happy. They preferentially migrate into areas that are mined in order to get access to this precious resource of landmines. So this is another dimension of what's going on here uh, in, in Cambodia. Um, and this I'll just go briefly now because I know my time is running out uh, and I'll just show you again, this is some of the more uh, science-based research on vegetation uh, differences showing that in Thailand one of the responses to deforestation is a massive effort by the Thai government under the former Prime Minister Shinawatra to provide lots of reservoirs to kind of try to rehabilitate this landscape whereas in Cambodia of course it's still without those resources a process of rapacity of taking out the forests and no uh, real effort to try to 
uh, establish a productive landscape. And here you can just, again, some remote sensing images of the forest disappearing. The second study area, and I'll end with this, is um, the area you just saw was on the border with Thailand and, and Cambodia. This is the area right around Angkor Wat, Siem Reap, and you can see Angkor itself, the World Heritage Site, right here. This is the temples themselves, they're so massive. And some of you may be, have been there, you know uh, how important Angkor has become the way it was in the past economically uh, in 1000 AD or in the Christian era, uh, as it is today, increasingly important as an economic uh, source of uh, tourism. And our research here is showing, uh, again, other kinds of ironies. And this shows you uh, a transect on our work. And this gives you an, uh, an image of the land cover in this area around Angor from 89 to 2005. You can see, again, how rapidly deforestation processes are occurring. And you see it precisely here. This is a, give you an idea of scale. This is an artificial reservoir built by one of the kings of Angor, uh, probably around 1120, uh, or perhaps a little bit earlier. It's about 80 kilometers. So this is an enormous uh, uh, tank or reservoir uh, built by the uh, ancient Khmer give you an idea of the scale, and you can see how rapidly that deforestation process is going on. And here you can see it uh, even more dramatically uh, represented. Those images there, the red represents areas that were under forest in 1989, they were under forest in 1995, and they're not forested uh, today. Uh, and part of that is interesting because this correlates, some of our research is correlating with a very specific event which again shows you these wonderful ironies, or wonderful or terrible ironies. That event was 1992 when uh, Angor itself was declared a World Heritage Site. So it's declared a World Heritage Site, it's demined, and hotels begin to be built. Part of the process of building the hotels, of course, is taking down the forests in the Phnom Kulen, that red area you see there, in order to provide the furniture, the construction material. So there's this linkage between the UN declaring it a World Heritage Site and processes of degradation uh, happening simultaneously. But it gets worse than that, uh, imagining that linkage here uh, driving this. Uh, you find also that the very object of this tourist development, which is conceived, again, ecotourism and tourism to heritage sites such as Angor is considered to be a driver of economic development. Well, as it turns out, Angor itself is built on unconsolidated sediments. In other words, it's not like Manhattan. It's not built on granite. What does that mean? Well, it means that these monuments, in fact, the way they are and how they can be constructed and maintained uh, require a high groundwater level. In order to keep these temples from subsiding, from collapsing, you need to have a high groundwater level. And that high groundwater level is being compromised by the destruction of the forests because, of course, there's much more rapid runoff. It isn't percolating into the groundwater regime. And it's being compromised by this burgeoning of hotels. I think in six months, something like 700 hotel rooms were added to Siem Reap in the last year. And you can imagine the groundwater regime, all of, there's no sanitary water supply here. It's all from the groundwater, which means that's a commons. But it's a commons that everyone draws down on. And it's, again, a tragedy of the commons. And so the groundwater itself is dropping dramatically in the last decade, dropping so dramatically that the monuments themselves are beginning to collapse. So you have an irony of the UN and other international agencies spending millions tens of millions, 20, 30 million dollars, to do something very wonderful, which is try to preserve the heritage of the Khmer, the Angkor Temple Complex, uh, at the same time as they're pouring money in, uh, the very process of attracting tourists is compromising the very integrity of these monuments. 
So one dimension of the project that we're working on next, uh, we, we will be working on closely, and the University of Chicago has signed an agreement with the Apsara Authority, responsible for development in Cambodia, to analyze the problem of groundwater regimes and, and reforestation but I suspect we, like the global witness uh, uh, process, will have a problem here because I think that some of our policy recommendations will not sit very well with the tourist authorities or with the development process going on. So the long and the short of it is when we look at deforestation processes, it is fundamentally a problem of poverty, of poverty alleviation, and the development of, uh, of new forms, if you will, of thinking about this relationship of natural resources uh, to, uh, to, to de economic development. And this is just the final image to show you that any research of this kind needs to work at multiple scales uh, from the plot level down here with one of, our, one of our colleagues working there to take samples all the way up to the transnational, if you will, transborder region there. And it just is to point out that processes of deforestation are truly a, a global issue and a global problem.